episode 44 of Val F. Beige, Stuttgart Americana, an American-based English-language Val F. Beige Stuttgart fan podcast where our views are unofficial, uninformed, and usually unprepared. Matt, did you know in the history of Stuttgart that there have been four players who have worn the uniform number 44? I did not. Let me ask you who your favorite is. We've got Angel Baccarol from 2000. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Michael Rundio from 2001 to 3. Alexander Maxim from 2012 to 16. And currently, Mo uh, who is coming back from injury. Uh, probably Mo Sanko because he's done the least psychological damage to me so far. <laughs> I'm going to take our buddy Alex Maxim because no matter how many coaches came through Stuttgart, they all agreed on one thing, that he did not deserve to play. <laughs> Yet he was there for five seasons, so go figure. He was the epitome of the frustrating player who would show up in a game and do something amazing and then do absolutely nothing for the next five weeks. There's still that famous picture, at least for Stuttgart fans, of him in the stadium after we had beaten Würzburg, I believe, and been promoted the first time. And he's in front of the entire crowd, and it is a beautiful photo. And I think that was the biggest impact uh, he's had in a while. But you know what? Number 44, hopefully Mo Sanko can uh, come back from injury. And, yeah, he looked good in that little bit that we saw him. So hopefully he's back soon. Speaking of the little bit that we saw, Matt, let's just dive right into part one. I did not see any of this uh, game at all. I had prior commitments all day Saturday, so I was unable to – watch it, but I was getting text messages from Jeff, from yourself, and everybody was telling me the same thing. You will get very angry if you watch this. So I took a little self-control and decided not to watch it. Anything in general, if you were going to sum up that match in a word, what word would that be? Uh, frustration. If you give me two words, those two words are missed opportunities. I think one of my favorite quotes was from uh, Kicker. I was reading their game analysis, and they said, uh, quote, Stuttgart definitely deserved more goals, but the Schwabens would have had to score them for that, end quote. <laughs> well, yeah, that's pretty poignant, I thought. Yeah, it, th this whole game just drives home the, the theory we've been banding about that uh, the team is cursed and there's a witch doctor somewhere who is purposely dooming Stuttgart there were just so many clear-cut opportunities where either a post was hit or a ball went just barely wide or a goalie made a miraculous save that he had no business making and it was just chance after chance after chance and just you kept at least I, I kept thinking watching this game one of these is going to go one of them has to go and none of them went <laughs> well I knew going into this one, it was going to be a tough go, right? We don't have a great record against uh, Bielefeld, and I don't think we'd scored on them all season long or actually ever in the Bundesliga, so we knew it was going to be a tough match. Um, and then we found out right before the match that Borna Sosa was going to miss it with abductor problems. Um, Stenzel was going to go in to replace him. Uh, one of the things I noticed, there were hardly any substitutions at all during this match. Mangala went in the 70th minute. Tibidi went in in the 78th minute. And I was reading the Twitter reaction a little bit. Does Mata have a lack of trust in the rest of the bench? Because only two of the five possible subs were used. I, we were talking about this a little bit on the Discord during the game. I, I think it's a, a combination of that. I think there's a lack of trust in some of the bench players. And I, 
I don't blame Matarazzo for that because I look at the people available and I also go, eh, uh, not a lot of great options. But also the team was working. The guys he had on the field were getting, I mean, everything but, like Kicker said, you got to score for the opportunities to matter. Everything but that last six inches was rolling and was humming along well and nobody was out there uh, hyperventilating looking like they really needed a break. So it was, I was checking the clock around the 70th minute, feeling like we should be making more subs, but then also being like, I, I don't know who, like, who do you replace? Let's get in the game a little bit. Cause one of the things the kicker analysis was saying is just all the chances, like you just mentioned, uh, Furyk had a chance in the third minute, 38th minute, Omar had a chance in the 40th minute, Tiago 54th minute, Stenzel the 77th minute, Karazor in the 78th minute. We'll talk about the Anton uh, missed opportunity around that time too. The XG, and I know you're not a big believer in the XG, but I've never seen an XG this lopsided. It was 1.3 for Bielefeld. It was 2.75 for Stuttgart. This just goes to exactly what you said. All of those chances and just not able. Let me add, I didn't watch it. It was Ortega, who I am very high on as a goalie. And he's been linked to possibly going to Bayern Munich as their backup or to Bayern Leverkusen as their starter next year. He was this summer bandied about as a possible replacement for Cobell here in Stuttgart. I would have loved to have gotten, was he making just ridiculous saves or was this just a case of couldn't put the ball in the net? He made a couple of good saves. And I think that's, if I were to put the, if we were making Matt's XG, uh, Stuttgart's XG would have been about 10. <laughs> um, I, I think Bielefeld's is about right at the, the one, three, three. Um, their goalie made a couple of good saves uh, there were a couple where it felt like he could have closed his eyes and just put his arm out and, you know, a magnet would have drawn the ball into his hand. It didn't matter where he put it. It's just, that was the day we were having. All right. Let's talk about the one goal that did go in though. Penalty kick would look like, because he's six foot seven. He, if you've ever watched him run, he kind of has this strange, unique uh, running motion where he doesn't really move his arms too much. He looks like a little kid out there. And he got past Ortega, who's a top-notch goalie. Uh, number one, was it a clear-cut penalty kick? And number two, uh, how nice was the penalty kick? This is one of the most clear-cut penalties I have ever seen called. The not only hit it with his arm, but reached out in front of a Stuttgart player who was going to chest the ball with his arm to actively block it. So there wasn't even a, a discussion of was this a, a natural position or was he attempting to get out of the way? Dude stuck his arm in front of the ball on purpose and then had the temerity to look at the ref with a who me face. <laughs> uh, the likes I haven't seen since Christian Gentner was wearing the armband for Stuttgart. <laughs> uh, shout out to Christian wherever you're at right now. The, the penalty kick itself, uh, I got... I got nervous and the discord was in a little bit of an uproar about it because Kalajic, and as the, the announcer said on the game, he had never taken one as a professional before. Oh, not and even in Austria. So we're all kind of wringing our hands going, what is he doing? Why is he doing this? Let somebody else take this, uh, you know, let Marmouche do it, let Furish do it, let Anton do it, anybody. Um, <laughs> He looked like he's been doing this all game, every game for his entire career. Just, it was clinical and it was beautiful. He just ice water in his veins. Dude was on point. So it's worth watching? Oh yeah. 
Okay. Get, get a little joy from this game. There was a lot to be frustrated about. The Kalajic free goal, free kick, or a penalty kick was something to take joy from. Okay. I think if Flabby Viking said on Twitter is trying to find happiness in the darkness is it's one of our jobs <laughs> here. So I'm glad there's a little bit of happiness that I can uh, look at. So so we go up one to nothing. I was at my track meet where I was uh, coaching all day long, and uh, I'm getting excited because I'm like, all right, now the the dam has broken. Uh, all these chances that are going through. Jeff was texting me that you know it's going to happen. It's it's they're clearly the better team. Go into halftime, come out of halftime. What happens? What should I say? Critical comments on our boy Florian Mueller seem to come up a little bit more. Was he responsible in large part for this, or was it just a bad luck situation for everybody involved? It, I, I'm no Mueller fan. I've been saying for weeks, never trust a Florian. <laughs> uh, I think he could have handled the situation much better, no doubt. Um, but a big part of it was just bad luck. It was just, it was stupid. I've got no other way to describe it. <laughs> it was just stupid. <laughs> Let's talk about the biggest thing that everybody was talking about. So I was reading on Reddit, Twitter. I saw actually a bunch of videos of what was probably the most golden opportunity. So I don't know what minute it is. I think it was around the 80th minute, perhaps. Was it Karazor that had a shot or a cross into the box that Anton thought he was offside? Is that the way you saw it? So there, I couldn't tell from the replays I watched if Anton was offside or not, but there was a cross that came in. Karazor got his foot to it. Um, because of how what was going on in the box, he couldn't get a real strong touch on it. Basically just redirected it to the corner and had good spin on it. It looked like it was going to go in. And Anton was standing there, and I don't know if he thought he was maybe offside or if he didn't want to poach a goal from Karazor and be that jerk on the team um, who stole somebody else's goal. But he he stood there and he watched it, and then at the last second, it's like it's like when you're watching uh, like professional bowling, you know, and the ball makes that big curve into the pin. Uh -huh. It was curving, and then it just stopped curving. It's like it was obviously going in until it wasn't. And then at that point, it was too late for anybody to react. And it squibbed just wide of the pole. I saw some of the, the video from the goal of the ball comes in and you can see him getting ready to poke it in. And then mm -hmm. the last minute, you can see his body language, as clear as day, that he pulls himself back. And I, I haven't seen any quotes from him about it, but the argument on the, uh, the Twitter was, he thought he was going to be offside, but based on the video, you can't tell. You, you can't yeah. tell. And so the argument then got is like, listen, the guy was a moron. He just needed to poke it in. The other argument was, well, if he was offside and he poked in a clear goal, then he's a moron. And yeah. it seemed to be at the end of the day, most people were kind of like, he was damned if he did, damned if he didn't. Yeah, 100%. And he was in, he was in a spot he should have been in. He was trying to make a play. Credit to him for doing that, for being in the right place at the right time, more or less. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I've you know I've been in that spot before where you're like, I don't know if this is the right thing to do, and it paralyzes you with indecision. It sucks. Yeah, I think you said it perfect. You could just see in the video he's paralyzed with indecision. He doesn't know what to do in that moment. And so the game ends one to one. I wrote down a couple of stats. I already told you about the XG. The shots were. 10 to 15 for Stuttgart, four to four shots on, on target. Uh, corners are six to two for Billefeld. Saves are three apiece. 
Um, here was an odd one. Stuart had six yellow cards to one for Bielefeld. If I'm just looking at the stats, a 1-1 draw seems fair. But based on everything I've read, everything I've heard, everything you've just discussed, how disappointed on a, a scale of 1 to 10 are you when the final whistle blew? I was a, a 15 um, <laughs> on a scale of 1 to 10, a clear 15. The, Bielefeld's a team that we should have taken three points from. And I'm on some level, I'm not super, I guess not super disappointed with the result. And there's a lot of bad luck. And there's some of it you just got to kind of shrug your shoulders and say, you know, crap happens. But this is a team we should have taken three points off of. We left two points on the table in the position that Stuttgart are in. We can't afford to leave points against teams that we should take them from, like Bielefeld. And I'm, I'm just worried that it's going to be getting down to the, the last couple of games and we're going to go, gosh, if we had two more points. Yeah, that's where I'm a little worried is that this reminded me a lot from, I didn't watch the Boca match either, where there was a late Dino penalty and we ended up losing three points in that one and just getting one with the draw. This seems a lot more along, this seems very much along those lines that you had three points, you, you had it. And instead you have one point and now here we are Instead of having six points in those two games, we have two points in those two. Yeah, games. we we controlled play throughout the game. It was you know everything was happening at the will of the Stuttgart players, uh, except the ball crossing the goal line, and it wasn't due to heroic goalkeeping. It was just dumb, stupid luck. And <laughs> you mentioned the yellow cards. I, I do want to bring that up real quick. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not sure what this ref was doing. There were points where it felt like it was a well-officiated game. And then there were points where I was wondering if he had a VR headset on and was watching a different game while he was running around on the field. He seemed real excited about using his yellow card, but for real questionable things, he gave Matarazzo a yellow at one point for questioning a call, oh, wow. which I don't know if I've ever seen that in a Bundesliga game. Not Pellegrino though. I mean, he's, yeah dude. right and he was from what i could see on the broadcast he was asking the the fourth official a question and the ref ran all the way from the far side of the field over to the near side to say something to pellegrino and then give him a yellow card hmm. and it was it, it was a rough show it was like he was he had decided he was the star of the show this was his broadcast and it was going to be all about him and it just, it, it had a negative impact on what was otherwise a pretty fun, exciting game to watch. Like, I bet a neutral loved this game because there were a lot of chances, a lot, lot of stuff happening. But yeah, total ref show. Yeah, well, we're not here for the neutrals, Matt. We're only here for the yeah. <laughs> Screw those guys. Yeah, the heck with them. And as we wrap this up, it's tough because you want to be like Sven Mislintag, who said after the match that... Stuart has the same amount of points in their last, I believe, four games as Bayern Munich does. Eight points out of a possible 12. So you're like, hey, all right, we're just like, was it German Giants Bayern Munich or was it German Giants <laughs> Stuttgart? Whatever the, uh, the newspaper in China tried to write about years ago. But the other end is, okay, when I was feeling pretty good afterwards because I hadn't seen the match. It's like, all right, we're in 15th place. We got 27 points. But then Augsburg ended up winning on Sunday. So now they jumped us. They're in 14th with 29 points, and they dismantled Wolfsburg. Bielefeld is in 16th place behind us. You're like, all right, but they have 26 points. It's one point, and even Hertha, 
who lost a spirited game against Leverkusen, they're in 17th, but they've got 26 points. So do you walk out of this saying, listen, we're two, two and one in our last five. We've got eight points in our last 12. Um, we're trending in the right direction. Or do you go, uh-oh, we got Dortmund coming up on Friday. This is another two points lost. And Augsburg still has a game in hand. They play Wednesday against Mainz. Where's your head at? I'm, I'm of two minds on this. On the one hand, uh, Sven's right. We are trending in the right direction. We're generating more and more chances every game. The team looks more cohesive on the field, both offensively and defensively. So all of that is great, but also I have eyes, I can see the table and I can do basic math. <laughs> um, and it like, you're, we should be in 14th, right? Nipping at Wolfsburg's heels. Um, and we're not because there's a voodoo doctor somewhere who's cursed us. <laughs> That's the kind of analysis people come to this podcast for. It's black magic. It's voodoo. That's, that's I them. don't have an answer, so I'm going to blame the supernatural. That's the only solution. I was hoping, it, it, oddly, I wanted Augsburg to win on Sunday because I thought to myself, if we got the win against Bielefeld, that puts us at 29 points. If Augsburg wins, that keeps Wolfsburg at 31 points. And all of a sudden, they're dragged into the mess with us. Now, though, us only getting a point out of Bielefeld, that Augsburg win is a rough one because, like I said, it, Hertha's right there, and Bielefeld is right there, and those teams aren't going away anytime, anytime no. soon. So if, that... if we can, if we can keep the positive trend of either winning or drawing, going for the next little while, and just you know every point counts. So if we can keep accumulating these little ones, even if we don't get the big three pointers, that'll make a difference. And Wolfsburg's in free fall. Uh, I could see them dropping down into the relegation battle with us. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of faith in Augsburg despite their success this past weekend. I, I feel like those are two teams we should be able to get ahead of. And if we've got to deal with those guys, Bielefeld, Herta, and Furt, I feel like those are all teams we should be able to outmaneuver even if we're just picking up one point at a time. Yeah, and that's a great segue as we move into part two as we talk with Jeff and we get the view from above with Jeff. Which I'll probably have to edit out because he never actually calls me. So the view from well, and it shouldn't be called the view from above with Jeff with Jeff. Random views from above with Jeff with Jeff. <laughs> if that takes place, great. If not, we'll just move on to part three through the magic of editing. Welcome to part two, and we have a special guest today. We have, it's been a long time, Jeff. How are you doing? Welcome back to the show. Special guest. Oops, did I lose you? Oh, there you are. It's like one of those shows you watch on TV where it always says guest starring, but they were in every single episode. <laughs> No, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's actually good to be back. Yeah, I misspoke there. You're not a guest. You're a co-host. But um, there you go. It's been there a you little go. bit. You've been a little bit busy. Um, not uh, how do you say you are paid to save lives, not improve them? So that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully that's going pretty well. And from a selfish perspective, we haven't had you on the show in a while because your Hennis, your cologne, has done so well lately. 
that we just didn't want you bringing down the uh, the vibe of the show. But you guys lost to um, Union Berlin on Friday, so now you're you're welcome back. Um, mm -hmm. I don't blame you for kicking me off for a few weeks. I would have kicked me off too. <laughs> Listen, if you if you want success in your season, you got to invite me back the next six weeks. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say that because with six matches left, your Cologne plays four of the teams we're about to talk about here. So what yeah. we're going to do in this segment is we're going to talk about the view from above with Jeff because uh, your Cologne is at the top half of the table. They're in eighth place, and they're going to play significant uh, role in what's going to happen over the next few weeks of the season. So let's get your view from above on top of the table on some of the teams here. So the first team I'm going to throw out at you is one of the, our favorite teams to say, Goiter Furt. Mm. Uh, can't say that without having fun. They're in 18th mm. place with 16 points. Any hope for them? No, there's no point really talking about them. I think mathematically, I think they're still alive, but uh, they got to climb to at least what? 27 at this point yeah that's if the other teams don't win so no nah, they're done you can skip over that one <laughs> yeah yeah they've got one match against augsburg at the end of the season that could be big but outside of that they've got a tough schedule uh let's go to 17th place uh ds uh i'm sorry hurt berlin now hurt berlin is in 17th with 26 points uh as you look at the rest of their six matches from above what do you think their chances are of moving out of that 17 spots? You know, I thought, and I mentioned on the, on the last time I was on probably like four weeks ago now, <laughs> but, uh, that Berlin, in my opinion, even including Goethe Fert was the worst team in the Bundesliga and they changed their coach. I think they had a three nil win. Mm -hmm. Uh, versus Hoffenheim, and they look like to be turned around. They lost last week again. I still think, honestly, in my best guesstimation, that if I were to pick a team that was going to go down, it, at this point, still is Berlin. Now, they got a lot of opportunities, even the ones that aren't in the bottom six. You know, uh, Union Berlin is definitely a winnable game. Um, you know, uh, Mainz is as well. And, and well, I doubt, you know, I doubt uh, uh, Borussia Dortmund, but then again, you know, they've been kind of suffering a little bit lately and it's the last game of the season, I think, when they play them and right. probably won't mean much to, to Dortmund. I mean, they've probably already locked up the Champions League and they're not going to win the Bundesliga. So I think they have a chance. Obviously, they have a chance. But um, in my estimation, I think they're the second team that's going to go down. Yeah, I would agree with you. But they've got that big three week stretch where they play at Augsburg, then the big one versus uh, Stuttgart and then at Bielefeld so they control their own destiny but it'll be interesting to see if that Hoffenheim match was the outlier yeah everything else is kind of uh, going back back to tune so let's get to 16th place right now this is DSC Bielefeld Stuttgart just had a really bad draw versus them uh, they've got 26 points as well but a way better goal differential than Hertha Berlin they've got Wolfsburg coming up they've got Hertha Berlin the uh, 32nd match of the season Think they're getting out of 16th? Uh, no. In fact, it's funny, and it's not to be a homer, but this order looks like how I think it's going to finish. I think they're going to yeah. finish 16th. Um, you know that, that, that it's going to tell a lot. That first matchup against uh, Wolfsburg, I think it's this coming weekend. I think that pretty much clears Wolfsburg out of the way, and they're going to they're going to be out this list here after that game. But they've got. I think they've got probably. Um, of the, of the teams that are listed, they probably got 
the toughest schedule, I think, coming up. Um, which in Gladbach is playing, you know, better. I think they're clear. Uh, they'll probably one at Cologne. We'll talk about that later, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, I think they're probably going to finish in 16th spot and again, that play-in game. Uh, I can maybe see them and uh, and uh, Hertha maybe flip-flopping positions there. But um, I think you're looking at the bottom three right there. Maybe Hertha and, and they will switch spots, but I'm, I think they're going to finish 16th and add that play in game. Yeah, the thing that scares me about Bielefeld is they know how to play defense. They've got a great goal. Yeah. Now, they just lost their striker close for a while with a head injury, but they don't mm-hmm. score a lot of goals anyway. Yeah. The flip side of that is they should have lost that game against Stuttgart like 6-1. to one. Yeah. So is it that they're yeah. really good defensively or this that Stuttgart can't score a goal to save their lives? So I think they'll string together a few points. I bet they'll have 30, 31 points by the end of the season, which could get them out of that spot, which scares me because the next team on the table is 15th place, Stuttgart. They've got some big ones coming up. They've got Hertha. They've got Wolfsburg. And they end the season with your Cologne. we got Dortmund on Friday. Um, yeah. Where do you see this club finishing? Well, first of all, I see Cologne going 0-6. I mean, over 18, the next 18 points. You know, you race to 40 points and then you just stop. We probably have the easiest schedule on paper um, of any team in the league. And we have an opportunity to play spoiler for every single one of these teams. But I honestly think that, you know, that, and we've talked about this all season long, but I think Valak Bay is going to be safe. I think they're going to be fine. I know they're missing, um, I just read they're missing Sasa. Uh, this weekend, I think he's got COVID. Yeah, that news just broke while we were yeah. recording this that he is out. So yeah, and I think honestly, if you're going to miss him for any game, this is probably the one. I mean, you know, they are at home, and and Dortmund had that real bad loss last week. Mm-hmm. You know, but if you're to look at the schedule and pick a game on paper that you'd be okay with a loss, it'd probably be this one. But honestly, though, you know, a lot of ways they do control their own destiny. They got to get points against. Herta for sure. Yeah. You know, you, you talk about those those matchup games when you're playing each other. That's probably the biggest one. And honestly, match day 34, I think the last day of the schedule. Yeah. The two biggest games you're going to have come up. You've got to win those head-to-head matchups against those teams that are you're kind of going against. I mean, Muchen Gladbach, I think, is a definitely winnable game. And, and Mines, I think they play uh they play today, I think, don't they? Have, yeah, Mines is playing uh later today versus Augsburg. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think they're going to survive. They, they have a lot, you know, they should have won. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Four to one. I mean, I'm not trying to overestimate it, but they, they just squandered opportunities last week in that game. And so it's not so much the two points they didn't get, but it's that three point separation they didn't get mm-hmm. against Billafield. That was just, it's enormous. I mean, really though, they, they kept pace and that that's, they should be distanced now by three points from Billafield and they're not, which is disappointing because, you know, when it comes down to those head-to-head matchups that we talk about, you're going to have to win those. So um, I think it probably starts. I mean, I'm not saying they can't beat Dortmund, but, you know, they're gonna, they're missing their best player, you guys are. So I think it probably starts with Mind, and you kind of go from there. Yeah, let's wrap it up with the, the two teams here we sort of talked about. So Augsburg is at 29 points in 14th place. Wolfsburg mm-hmm. is 13th place with 31 points. Um I told you off the air that I thought if Augsburg collected any points in their next two matches, the match they just played versus Wolfsburg, and then the match they play this week uh, today 
there's minds that they're safe. If they got three points, I know they're not mathematically safe. I just got a feeling they're safe um, the rest of the way. In a weird way, I kind of want them to beat, go win out, because that means they would at least beat uh, Herta and keep Herta down there. All right. Yeah. So we're, do you agree or disagree with that? Is Augsburg safe? Yeah, I, think, I think your strategy is, is correct on that because, you know, you, you have to, you got to pick, I think, two teams, at least two teams to be ahead of. And I think in this case, it's Bellafield and Herta. And, and Augsburg, let's face it, they're going to finish 13th or 14th. They always do and they always will. Um, they got that game uh, today, uh, which is going to be huge. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, they have, honestly, if you look at their schedule, six of their next seven games, they're all winnable games, you know, I mean, they, I mean, and you got to figure they're going to get at least, you know, of that, they're going to get at least, I don't know, five points probably out their next six. That's being pretty generous, I think. And that gives them 34 points and they're going to be fine. They're going to finish 13th or 14th, but they do have an opportunity to make things um, better for Valif Bay because they do play Herta head to head and as do you and as do I think uh we do I think so it's there's opportunities there and I think in, in a lot of ways not that you want Augsburg to win this game but you definitely want them to win hey you definitely want them to win um they had to have matchups all right let's let's wrap it up with this uh Hennis plays Bielefeld, Augsburg, Wolfsburg, and Stuttgart in their last five games, including Gladbach. Um, who's more important to Stuttgart season, Stuttgart or uh, Cologne? You know, <laughs> I mean, really, though, it sounds laughable, but of our next, uh, I think, five of the next six games, we have a head-to-head -head against every single one of these teams on the list. Yep. And I think you guys – um, I think there's, there's two, take, take off, take off Wolfsburg, I think, honestly, um, but Bellafield's huge, but honestly, we have the chance to play spoiler for every single one of these teams and, and match day 34, the very last game of the season, Boy, quite a, when you got Augsburg playing, uh, Garrett DeFerre and you got, um, you know, and you got, and, and if you look at, and Bellafield has, they play, uh, looks like, um, uh, yeah, Leipzig. They got Leipzig the last game. You know, you got to think they're going to lose. Uh, Hertha's got Dortmund. You got to figure they're going to lose. Um, Wolfsburg probably won't matter by then. And it might come down to match day 33 and then 34 against us. But, you know, you're a naysayer, Travis. You like to think on, you know, you're a glass half empty kind of dude. I've known you for a long time. <laughs> you guys are going to be fine. You guys are going to be fine. I would tend to agree with you, but the fact that most of our season rests in not in our hands, but in your hands, has me slightly, <laughs> slightly concerned there. All right, Jeff. Well, thank you so much for giving us your view from above. We will see right. uh, how this goes for uh, next uh, next week. And hopefully we can talk to you again with uh, some some better news. All right, Travis, thanks for having me on again. <laughs> Talk to you later. All right, bye. All right, Matt, welcome back. Or thanks for staying. How's that? <laughs> we are either way, happy to be here. <laughs> yes, once again. All right, let's move on to headlines and questions. Any news on the Discord scene? I'm guessing it was. Pretty rough.
it was po more positive than I you might think it would be. People were pretty excited about the chances, but also a lot of grimacing and groaning at the missed opportunities. Not quite the gnashing of teeth and rending of garments you might expect after a result like this. So it, the the fan base, uh, at least from the Discord crew, seems to be sort of back in the cautiously optimistic camp from the doom and gloom, everything's on fire. Yeah, it's definitely, that was the the Reddit scene as well as the Twitter scene is that, oh man, missed chances, those two points gonna look really nice. And like you said, those two points could really hurt at the end. Um, it was a lot of discussion on Anton and what he should have done or didn't do, but it's, it's relatively calm because I think Stuart still has its fate in his own hands. So, mm -hmm. you know, and there is this, this trend that's heading in, you know, in the right direction. So it's, it's cautiously optimistic, kind of like you said, let's, let's get into two of the headlines and see if you're cautiously optimistic about either of these. So the two things that kind of came out is that Oral Mangala said, Hey, I never said when I was on the international break that I actually want to leave Stuttgart this summer. That that's a lie. I never said that. So that's one headline. The other headline is that Kalajic rejected a contract extension recently. So it is all but a given that he is going to leave this summer. Which one of those do you think is the bigger news? I think the Mangala news is the bigger one. If we can keep Mangala around, uh, I think that's huge. And as, as big a deal as Sasa is, and Sasa is amazing. We love Sasa. We've also got this new guy, uh, Tiago Tomas and uh, Chris Furich. And to be honest, the idea of those two up top with uh, maybe Silas running alongside them and all of that speed out of our front three, I think that could make Stuttgart a more dynamic, more diverse attacking out option. And then would also free us up from needing to worry about uh, Borna Sosa if he goes as well, because we won't be living and dying on the Sosa to Sasa connection. I'm going to agree with you 100%. I think Sasha rejecting the contract extension is kind of a shoulder shrug. I don't think anybody's really surprised by that. I think we all expected no. him to leave at the end of this year anyway. Had he not broken his collarbone at the beginning of the year or had uh, COVID before in the preseason, he might have been gone already. So I, yeah, the Mangala thing I think is big. The thing I will say, jumping back to the game really quick, is that with Sosa being out, I was super worried because it just seems like this team is driven by whatever Sosa does on that left wing. And to see them have this many chances, even though they didn't convert them, without Borna Sosa, I think is huge. Because what do they say? Dino Mavropanos, Borna Sosa, uh, Sasha Kalajic, I think Oral Mangala are the four guys that are probably on the block this summer. And we, we may lose three of them. At least, I bet we lose two of them at least. So the sure. fact that we're, I think it's going to be Borna and I think it's going to be Sasha that are gone. And so to me, Mangala saying, hey, I do want to stay is big news because I agree with you. We've got to keep some kind of core together because I think all of us love Sasha, but we all know the Sasha train is about to leave the station. Yeah, he's going to get some, some English team is going to pay an absurd sum for him and be very happy with it. And it's going to be impossible for the Stuttgart front office to say no to that. And I think if they did, we would all be freaking out as fans of how do you turn down that huge payment? And hopefully we can turn and reinvest that in more young players and we can have another Borna Sosa and another Sasa Kalajic coming through in the wings. But I, I feel like this game really showed us that we have a future 
beyond those guys. And some of those pieces are already in place. Yeah, I think that's a big positive to take out of that. Let's kind of segue that into questions. Uh, the Village Footballer asks, do you think all of the off-field chat about certain players, a.k.a. Mangala, Sosa, and Sasha, had or will have an impact on the run going in the rest of the season? What say you, Matt? I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's, it's really hard to say for sure, but since this is a, a hot take forum, um, I'm going to go with no. Uh, I think Matarazzo is good at managing this kind of stuff. And we've been saying all season long that the fact that the team hasn't turned on each other and imploded is a, a tribute to his management capabilities and his, his personnel uh, handling. So I think if anybody's in a position to handle this kind of uh, rank speculation, it's Pellegrino Matarazzo. And we're fortunate to have him there dealing with this. Yeah. My reckless speculation is I agree with you. Is it, I don't think it's playing a part in this. I mean, these guys are their friends. They, they don't want the stigma, I believe, of going down to the second division. So I don't think that has much of a, a an impact on what's going on. It is interesting, though, how much we wanted Mark Oliver Kemp out of town for somewhat of the same thing. But these guys, we don't. I will give us a caveat there that it's really tough to have a player on your roster like Kemp who has already agreed to play for another team. Whereas none of these guys have done that. It's still up in the air yeah. where they're going to go, uh, which league they might go to. So I do think there is a, you know, a bit of a difference there. Yeah. And the, the Kemp thing always felt to me like, I don't want to play for Stuttgart. And the, the Sasa thing feels more like I'm a young player early on in my career. I want to see what else is out there for me. And I've got an opportunity to cash in on a huge payday. And it's hard to look at somebody like Kalajic and say, no, <laughs> like, I get it. You footballers have short careers. You got to make hay while you can. And, you know, he gave us a couple of good years. we got a lot of excitement out of them. We can make some big money off of them and he can go be successful somewhere else. That's cool. Kempf just didn't want to play in Stuttgart anymore. Yeah. And screw him for that. <laughs> it is funny because there's something very parochial about it, right? It's like, if you want to leave my club and go play in the Premier League, you know what? All right, I can see that. But if you want to leave my club and go play for Hertha Berlin, well, a pox on you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> no, that well, doesn't work. It's also the way he handled it. He, it felt like he was being such a prick about it. <laughs> and, like, I don't get that sense from Sasa. It's just, I have decided not to sign my extension right now. Like, okay. No, no change in his attitude. No change in his on-field presence or his work or anything everything seems to be up and up mm -hmm. he's just not ready to sign on for the next five years at Stuttgart okay yeah and he's definitely trending in the direction of moving either to one of the top teams in the Bundesliga or moving beyond the Bundesliga and it's hard to I mean that's the whole point of this club's philosophy right get young players let them play and show them uh their skill set and you know what when they're ready to go we let them go and you know we can't yeah no. And also Sasa's early in his career, Kempf is not, you know, and like if Mangala was running around, he's not early in his career either. If he was running around saying, I don't want to be at Stuttgart anymore, we'd probably be feeling the same about him as we were about Kempf. Yeah. Well, the bottom line is we have feelings, Sasha. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> please respect, respect our sensitive old man feelings. <laughs> <laughs> 
We just need a hug, Safa. That's right, a mental, a mental hug. Speaking of old feelings, Flabby Viking said, this felt like the Valve Bay of olden times, losing points that we should have secured earlier in the game. Question for all of mankind, why can't this team keep a lead? Um, let's jump into Nero. Nero, it's his first time ever asking a question, so Nero, thanks so much. He says, should Valve B make an own goal at the beginning? Because, hey, we can do comebacks. So there you go. I kind of love this idea <laughs> <laughs> and just the the thought of a, a Bundesliga team at the very beginning of a game kicking the ball back and own goaling it just so they can get in the headspace of we're one down already is hilarious to me and I would love to see that once. Pellegrino <laughs> if you're listening Matt and I can be hired for tactical <laughs> strategy if you need it so you know what it's time to move on to predictions, Matt. Did you predict that ahead of time? Oh, well done. Well, I was trying to make fun of you because you had a rough week last week. You had one win and one draw and six losses. And I wanted to bring attention that I had five wins and one draw and two losses. So I just, I don't know. I thought, you know, I, I was looking at the picks and I was making them without paying much attention to what you had picked already because you, you had sent me what you had done. And then I realized about three quarters of the way through making my picks that we were going pretty much opposite. And I was thinking one of us is going to have a very rough time on the next podcast. Yeah. And because I'm the one who keeps track of the records and nobody else does, I tend to do <laughs> some fuzzy math and do okay. So overall, I've got 127 wins to 110 losses. Austin's in second place with 118 wins. Matt, you've got 117 and Jeff's got 113. Our Valve B picks, though, Jeff is winning with 15 wins. I've got 14. Austin and Matt have 12. So let's get into the match coming up. Now, Friday, Valve B is hosting Dortmund. And Dortmund just got their doors blown off by Leipzig. Uh, first off, what are your thoughts going into this Friday match? So it's the only match on Friday. And then what do you think the prediction uh, experts have got this one at? I think it's pretty fun that we've got a big Friday matchup with Dortmund. Uh, that's kind of cool. Um, it's neat that we're hosting. I don't like facing a Dortmund squad who just got their teeth kicked in. I uh, don't feel real great about that. And it was another late goal we let in. Oddly optimistic with this match. I don't know why. I, I would definitely take Shugart if it was plus one. Plus half a goal makes it a little bit more difficult. But the way that we've played the last five games has been promising. I'm going to go on a limb. I'm going to take Stuttgart in this one. Uh, plus the half a goal. They're playing at home. The home crowd has been amazing. We have chances after chances after chances. The Dorman goalie is not an Ortega. Uh, it's the home crossbar and post. So I'm hoping that the Fritzel will you know, grease it up a little bit so that it maybe sli uh, slides in this time. I am a little worried that Anton is out. Uh, I think he's got a yellow card accumulation, so he'll be out of that match. So that's a little concerning, but you know what? I'm not as worried as I thought I would be going into this one. Um, there's some other matches we'll talk about here in a second that I think are much bigger than our match. What about you, though? The, the Anton being out thing does concern me, but if Sosa's back, then Sosa can play uh, the left back, and that puts uh, Ito and Mavropanos in our center backs, which mm -hmm. I feel pretty okay about. Mm -hmm. So not super concerned that his, the, the yellow card he did get was complete garbage. 
Oh, was it? It was totally undeserved, uh, nonsensical, is absolutely part of the ref show, and we are being punished for it, which sucks. Um, that said, I'm also going to pick Stuttgart because I feel like this could be a 1-1 draw. I think Dortmund's going to get us at least once, but our, our defense has been looking more cohesive and more uh, organized lately than it had been. And with all these chances we've been generating every week, we've, we've got to be able to get at least one against a Dortmund side that is struggling a little bit. Yeah, I was reading a couple of things on their fan pages, and it was interesting. They're up in arms because the championship is, is, is over now. They're, they don't have a, a realistic shot at it. Their fan base was torn between we need to fire everybody uh, because, you know, second place isn't good enough. Reading this right. when 15th place, you're like, hey, I would like that. Um, but, you know, they're a different, you know, club, I guess, have different expectations, all that stuff. They're still in the Champions League spot. You know, unless there's some disaster, they'll still finish in the top uh, four there. But, yeah, they're not the dormant of, I mean, I don't know. They'll probably beat us seven to one and I'll look like a moron like usual. But I'm not super intimidated going into this one. I feel like we, we've got a chance here, and I think it would be hilarious to see the Dortmund fan base self-destruct because they drew at Stuttgart. Oh, and that would just, that'd be real gratifying to me personally. Is there anything better than some good old schadenfreude, just taking <laughs> some joy in somebody else's misery? Well, I, I have a friend at work who's a big Dortmund fan too, and I take great pleasure in messaging him after games that we do well against them. It's like, hey, did you, did you watch that one this weekend? I think it was Mark Twain that said something to the effect of there's nothing more American than one small town making fun of another small town. So maybe there's nothing quite German as one small club making fun of, well, I don't know if Dorman's a small club, but that was, that was Mark Twain's quote, not mine. There you go. Mark Twain doesn't know. He, what's he know about the Bundesliga? <laughs> the guy's not even been around for a while here. Let's, I want to get your thoughts on one or two other matches though before we close up shop today. So you got Augsburg versus Mainz on Wednesday. You've got Munich versus Augsburg. I believe on Saturday, the big one I think is Wolfsburg versus uh, Bielefeld on, I think that's Saturday. And then you've got the huge rivalry game. Uh, Hertha is hosting Union Berlin. I mean, those, the Wolfsburg, Bielefeld and the Hertha Union games are huge as is the two Augsburg uh, matches going in. Which one of those uh, are you going to watch or you got any thoughts on any of those? I'm going to try and watch the Wednesday game because Wednesday games are neat. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm really hoping Mines has been, you know, every time we talk about Mines, I feel like we say, you know, never bet against Mines because they just always find a way, but they've been finding a way to not be successful lately. <laughs> um, I'm hoping really though, that they can keep Augsburg from getting any points against them. And I feel like Mines is a team that's set up to be able to do that. They tend to play well defensively. I'd really like to see Union kick the tar out of Augsburg, but I also kind of hate Union because they're a bunch of dirty cheaters that we <laughs> saw the last time we played them. So that's like, that's a, a cheer for the giant meteor game. Oh, there, oh yeah, there you go. Hey, Asteroid, hit that stadium. <laughs> for me, it's, I told Jeff off the air that I, thought if Augsburg collected three points in the two matches they had, the Wolfsburg one and or the Mainz one, I just have this weird feeling they're safe. And so to me, I know Augsburg only has two more points than us. I almost done chasing them. I just have this weird feeling that Augsburg is that team that just doesn't get relegated. 
and I feel they got those three points against Wolfsburg, and I think they're safe. I know mathematically they're not, but I just have this weird feeling. So for me, it's the Hertha match. I'm with you. I, I'm going to watch the Hertha match for sure. Uh, the Bielefeld match, I'll definitely try to catch. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Wolfsburg is imploding, like you said earlier, um, or if they can write the ship. But we need Union to keep Hertha back, especially since most likely, you know, the Dortmund match for us is going to be a bit of a rough one. Yeah. Speaking of a rough one, Matt, I think we're going to wrap up the podcast today. Um, I lost the USA-Mexico wager with you. Um, it was a draw, but Mexico covered, or USA covered the spread. So I owe you a six pack of tasty, tasty, made from Lake Erie adult beverages in the near future. So congratulations. Is anything made from Lake Erie tasty? Well, you're going to- And or sanitary? <laughs> <laughs> Just take out the syringes and it will be fine. <laughs> Beautiful. I'll get my strainer ready. <laughs> sure. Smooth Lake Erie water. Right there. Mm. Smooth as this podcast. All right, Matt. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Hopefully we can talk about a big upset win next week.